we can better understand and better end up telling our community that music is coming. The pulpits, there are people who take the mimba, there are people who take podium. It's not even a form of celebration, but it's a form of gratitude. When the imam said, for example, a sign of lack of piety is listening to music a sign of lack of righteousness can one be a devout Muslim and listen to music is it That music and listening to music can take someone away from being a complete mu'min, a righteous, devout believer in Allah and Rasulullah and a follower of the laws of Islam. Today, and in this era and age, we live in a time where music has invaded every element of our lives. There is music at home, and there is music at work, and there is music in our cars. And there is music at school. And there is music in the restaurants and the shopping malls. In fact, today, music is combined with the most important activities within our lives. For example, music is combined with education. And music is combined with the relaxation. And music is combined with food and dining at restaurants. And music is combined with sports. So is it possible that we can separate between our lives our day-to-day -day activities and music. And that is why music remains to be an extremely important concern for everyone. A seven-year-old will ask you if it's allowed to listen to, to music. A 20-year-old will ask you if it's allowed to listen to music. A 30-year-old will ask you. A 50-year-old will ask you. And we've constantly been given an answer that music is haram. But yet we are asked again. Everywhere that you travel, everywhere that you go, amongst the must-asked questions within every community, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their 
connection to religious laws and obedience towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're asked, is music halal or haram? Which explains to any researcher, any Islamic scholar, any person looking into the Islamic laws, that there is something wrong here. Because you've told the people, and you've made the verdict clear, but yet they continue to ask. As in, when you tell people backbiting is haram, they don't ask you again. They've comprehended that backbiting is haram. When you tell them theft is haram, they've understood this concept. They don't keep on asking you, is theft haram? Accusations. Nobody asks you again. If you've explained to them that accusations is haram, nobody asks you again, is accusing someone wrongfully haram? Is murder haram? Yes, people may continue to do it. However, that does not make them believe or be under the assumption that ghiba or namima or theft or murder is halal. While they do it, they do it knowingly that they are being sinful and they're breaking God's laws. So why is it that people continue to ask about music? It's because the answer given to them has not been a rational, reasonable answer. How am I going to sit here and convince you that if you were to listen to poetry that speaks of your loved one, speaks of someone you love, it speaks of you missing someone, it speaks of your country or your countryside, it speaks of, for example, standing in front of injustice, it speaks of the different difficulties of life, enduring the pain that life has to offer. How am I going to sit here and convince you that that's got to be a forbidden act? And that's haram. And if you do that, then that goes against piety. That goes against righteousness. So is it? That's all scholars have decided to tell us that music is haram because they themselves don't enjoy music. I can tell you, scholars won't be sitting there on their free time listening to music. So just because they don't listen to music, they don't have a taste for music, they don't appreciate music, then they said, you know what, let's make it haram for everyone. What's the use? Why do they need to listen to music? There are so many other things to listen to. And I have I've heard this, and you've heard this, that brother, why do you want to listen to music? Listen to the news. Why do you want to listen to the music? Why do you want to listen to music? Listen to Quran. Why do you want to listen to music? Listen to an audiobook. Yes. Those are definitely better substitutes for music. If you were to listen to the Qur'an and not music, obviously it's better. If you were to even listen to the news and find out what's going on in the world, it's still better than music. If you were to listen to an audio book and educate yourself, I would say it's better than listening to music. But that does not really explain to me how music now becomes haram. 
How is it that Islam has this stance against music, but it does not have a bold stance against many other things? And there are double standards in our community. What do I mean? There are people who take the pulpit, there are people who take the mimbar, there are people who take podiums, call them whatever you want to call them. And they'll sit there and they'll stand there for an hour talking about irrelevant things, useless things, things that really don't, re- don't relate to our lives anymore. Or, unfortunately, some of them lie. Unfortunately, some of them make up stories. Unfortunately, some of them are fabricating hadith. I remember I came across a lecturer who was saying, I'm about to tell you a hadith, and I kid you not, I'm about to tell you a hadith, you're not going to find it in any book. So where did you get it from then? If I'm not going to end up finding it in any book, where did you come up with it? Or they'll sit there talking about dreams. This person saw a dream, that person saw a dream. And how our religion and our belief system is now based on dreams. We are tolerant towards them. And this is a double standard. Are you telling me it's okay for us to sit there for an hour or two, listen to fabrications and lies and dreams, but me listening to lyrics or poetry that discusses love, that for example discusses peace, that discusses family, that discusses friendship, is now forbidden. Explain that to me. How is that possible? That's why one of our scholars, Sheikh Murtaba Mutahari, has a beautiful statement. He says, Islam is a religion that's beautiful. And Islam appreciates beauty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beautiful and He appreciates beauty. Therefore, Islam is a religion that should promote art. Islam is a religion that should appreciate art, that should appreciate um, the different beautiful gestures of art within our lives. However, we the scholars, he says, we the scholars have made people think otherwise, believe otherwise, that Islam is a religion that stands against art. Islam is a religion that does not appreciate beauty. Why? Because of our stance against music. Because every form of music, haram. You cannot listen to music. In fact, in fact, some scholars have also forbidden clapping. So for example, I mean there are many reasons why people clap. One of them is to for example appreciate something. So somebody's given a speech, you like the speech, you clap for them. You see a show, you appreciate the show, you clap. It's not even a form of celebration, but it's a form of gratitude. Sometimes, no, it's a form of celebration. You go, for example, to someone's uh, graduation ceremony, and at the end of the graduation ceremony, you clap. 
How is this clapping going to become haram? When it's part of a culture of a society. Some scholars have said reciting the Qur'an, reciting the Qur'an or the tawashih. I mean reciting the Qur'an is the word of Allah. Praising the Prophet and his family, reciting beautiful poetry in regards to Allah and the religion of Islam and Rasulullah. That also becomes haram. Why? Because it's a form of singing. How can the religion of Islam have such laws that make it so difficult for people even when it comes to the recitation of the Qur'an? And how is it that we can better understand and better comprehend such laws? As in when this scholar said this, why did he say it? When did he live? In which environment did he live in? Is it that I have to examine the era in which he lived in and the circumstance that he lived in to better understand the reason behind his fatwa? Or when the imam says, for example, do not enter a home that has music or ghina. Which kind of home is this? Or the angels do not enter a home that has any tools of music. Allah dislikes such a home. Do not reside in such a home. How is it that we come to an understanding with such a hadith? Or do we take them just the way they are and we end up telling our community that music is haram? So if you happen to be in an elevator and there is some elevator music, please cover your ears so you don't listen to it. Or if you go to a restaurant and you're sitting and they're putting some mild music in the background, then don't listen to it. Or if your child is, for example, hearing the ABC songs or the color songs, you know, it's preferred that they don't listen to it because it has music. And that is why when we say such things, people end up asking us once again, is music halal or is it haram? Because they cannot reason with the fact that Islam could be so strict and forbidding something that cannot come with any harm. That is why seminarians and scholars, the fuqaha and mujtahideen needs to examine music in the following manner. One, what is ghina? What is singing? And what do the hadith mean when they speak of ghina, singing? Number two, what is music? Are there different kinds of music? Or is music just one thing? One type? There is no other way to it. Number three, we must examine the time and the era in which scholars gave those fatwas. And the imams were asked in regards to music, in regards to singing. More importantly, if we have shak, if we have doubt, whether something is haram or something is haram, does it end up becoming haram or does it end up becoming halal? And many other questions. In regards to music, 
that needs to be that need to be examined thoroughly and the primary source of examining them and understanding them and comprehending them is what the holy quran once again we go to the holy quran and then we go to the tafsir of the mufassirin those exploring the quran drawing verdict from the quran to understand whether there are explicit verses in regards to the quran in regards to music within the quran or have they been explained by our scholars to be the primary application those verses their primary application to be music let us examine those four verses one by one there are four verses by scholars by mufassirin by the fuqaha and mujtahideen across the madahib in islam that say those verses speak of music let's see if those those verses let's explore them and see if those verses speak of music after your salawat ala muhammad wa ali muhammad The first is chapter 17, Surah Al-Isra, verse 64. Chapter 17, Surah Al-Isra, verse 64. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has had a conversation with shaitan. Shaitan speaking to Allah, and Allah is having a conversation with him. And let me say this in between parentheses very quickly. Sometimes we say this person, we boycott them, we excommunicate them, we cannot speak to them. Why? Because they're sinful, because they're leading a sinful life. There is a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes of his conversation with the shaitan, records his conversation with the shaitan. The most evil, right? The most driven away from God's mercy. Allah says, I had a conversation with him after, he dis- after his disobedience. And this conversation is recorded within the Holy Quran. So that we do not become individuals who boycott people and drive them away because of their sinful lifestyle. But we help them, we converse with them. And we try to bring them back to their logic. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has had a conversation with the shaitan. And he records that in Surah Al-Isra. And then the shaitan says something and Allah says something back. This is what we're reading now. The 64th verse says, Allah says to shaitan, وَاسْتَفْسِزْ مَنْ اسْتَطَعْتَ مِنْهُمْ And incite them. Because shaitan says, Allah, now that you've driven me away, I will do whatever I can with every tool that I have in every possible way to make them fall into sin, correct? So Allah in response to him says, do what you gotta do. Incite them with your voice. وَاسْتَفْسِزْ مَنْ اسْتَطَعْتَ Those who you may, who you can, those who fall into your trap, مِنْهُمْ بِصَوْتِكَ With your voice. وَجْلِبْ عَلَيْهِمْ بِخَيْلِكَ وَرَجِلِكَ 
وشاركهم في الأموال والأولاد وعدهم وما يعدهم الشيطان إلا غرورا Do what you gotta do Try to combine yourself and bring yourself within their in- income and their earning Try to fool them through your voice Try to come and become part of their society the scholars have said that when Allah says بِصَوْتِكَ The voice of shaitan, this has got to be music. Do we know it's music? No. Allah says بِصَوْتِكَ With your voice. Yes, one of its implications is definitely music. One of the ways that shaitan may use sound to attract us to sin is definitely music. There is no doubt. And we will talk about that. But is the verse saying, O oh, shaitan, bring them to you with music? No. The verse is simply saying, use your voice to attract them. The scholars have said that the voice of shaitan has got to be music. I tell you, it could also be Fox News. It's somebody who's standing there. He could even be the president. Talking about prejudice. Talking about discrimination. Talking about belittling others. Dehumanizing others. It could also be the voice of shaitan, Satan. Why? Because anything that stands against God... Is satanic. God speaks of equality of humanity. If somebody speaks of prejudice, then that's satanic. That's ungodly. If somebody is preaching to help the poor and the needy, that's godly. If somebody tells you we do not need to offer our help to impoverished nations and those who are poor, because let them be, it's their fault because they're poor, then that's ungodly. It's satanic. Similarly, anything said or heard that drives you away from God, believing that, for example, an innocent person, an accusation, can also be the voice of shaitan, an accusation. A ghibah can be the voice of shaitan. Departing family members, creating a gap between them. Creating animosity between members of one family. That's also the voice of shaitan. And we listen to that sometimes. They come to you, did you hear what your cousin said about you? Did you hear, for example, what your uncle said about you, what they did? And this creates an animosity and division within the family. That also can be the voice of shaitan. That's the first ayah. The second ayah is of chapter 22. Surah Al-Hajj, chapter 22, Surah Al-Hajj, verse number 30, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ وَمَنْ يُعَظِّمْ حُرُمَاتِ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ أُحِلَّتْ لَكُمُ الْأَنْعَامُ إِلَّا مَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْكُمْ 
فَجْتَنِبُوا الرِّجْسَ مِنَ الْأَوْثَانِ وَجْتَنِبُوا قَوْلَ الزُّورِ The ayah towards the end says and refrain yourself from the impurity of the idols and refrain yourself from false statements or vain talk. Once again the ulama have said that false statements or vain talk, قَوْلُ الزُّورِ has got to be music. More importantly, our imams have also been asked, what is قَوْلُ الزُّورِ? And they say it's music. إِنَّهُ الْغِنَاء But is it that when the imam says this, he's saying that it's only music? That's it? It's nothing else? So false statements. The only false statements is music. The only vain talk is music. There is no other vain talk. Inshallah, we'll get to that. First idea is, we go through the Qur'an. And we familiarize ourselves with the statements of the Qur'an and the ayat. Then we can better under, understand and comprehend hadith. Why? Because if I straight away go to the hadith without the Qur'an, I will never be able to understand the hadith. I will never be able to give justice to the Qur'an, neither the hadith. But when I understand the primary lawmaker in Islam, and that is the book of Allah, regardless of your madhab, regardless of your background, there are two ways of learning Islamic law. One is primary hadith, then the Qur'an. Or others, primary Qur'an, then hadith. As in, you go to some Sunni scholars, you ask them of any Islamic law. They tell you, Bukhari, Muslim, Ibn Majah, Tirmidhi, what happened to the Qur'an? And you go to some Shia scholars, and they quote you a hadith from Kafi. And they quote you a hadith from Man la faqih And wasa'il al-Shia. And Bihar al-Anwar. So what happens to the Qur'an? When we want to examine them, something, we begin with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Rasulullah and his honorable and purified progeny, Ahl al-Bayt, who were also the teachers of the founders of other madahib, have given us principles. If a hadith goes against the Qur'an, what do you do with it? You throw it away. Because a hadith, what's a hadith? A hadith is what I find in Bukhari. A hadith is what I find in Kulaini. No. A hadith is that which has been said by Rasulullah. There are many hadiths in Bukhari and in Muslim, Ibn Majah, in Kafi, in Bihar and Anwar, attributed to them. And they have not said them. They have not done them. So you cannot call them hadith. That's where we misunderstand the concept of hadith. That is why one of our greatest scholars, Al-Wahid al-Bahbahani, his theme to rejuvenate and change the Shi'i madhab was many of those hadiths are lies. So they said, you're calling Rasulullah a liar, curse unto you. 
He says, many of those hadiths are lies. He says, you're calling Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq, Imam al-Baqir, Imam al-Hussein, a liar curse unto you. He says, wait, let me explain. I am not calling them liars. They would never lie. They are truthful. Allah has purified them. But this hadith has not been said by them. This hadith has not been mentioned by them. It's been attributed to them. That's why it's very important for us to examine the chain of narrators. When did this hadith come in our books? When the imam was asked, what circumstance revolved Surrounding the time in which the Imam was asked, so he gave this response. We understand that at many times our Imams did taqiyya. What is taqiyya? Someone comes and says to him, Ya ibn Rasulullah, when do you break your fast? He says, Ma'annas, with the people. But you told us that we have to wait an extra 10 minutes. Now you're telling us, Ma'annas? So did the Imam change his mind? No. It's because there were spies sitting there that would take the news to the tyrants of the time of Bani Umayyah and Bani Al-Abbas, the bloodthirsty people. If you disagreed with them, what happens to you? They chop your head. Someone comes, he says, in a gathering, he says, Ya ibn Rasulullah, should I wash my hair and wudu or should I wipe my hair? He says, wash your hair. So when he leaves, they ask him, Ya ibn Rasulullah, but this is not your verdict. Because Allah in the Quran says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha qumtum ila salati faghsilu wujuhakum wa aydiyakum ila almarafiqi wamsahu wamsahu بِرُؤُسِكُمْ And wipe. بِبَاءُ التَّبْعِيضُ The ba here means some. Some of your head. And wipe some of your head. So, Ibn Rasulullah, you tell us to wipe some of our head. But you told this man, who is one of your followers, to wipe his whole head or wash his head. He says, yes, because I don't want him to go to work and do wudu there, then they'll chop his head off. All there, imprison him. We have to understand the circumstance of hadith. It's not that we just take any hadith and yes, you know, that's what the imam said. That's what the scholar said. So we come to this ayah of Surah Al-Hajj. And we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Refrain yourself from false talk, false statements, Vain words, one of its applications is most definitely music. And we'll talk about that. But is it the only vain, vain statements? Is it the only time that falsehood is being said? No. The next is chapter 25 verse 72. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of Ibadur Rahman. Most beautiful verses within the Holy Quran. They start with the 63rd verse, وَعِبَادُ Rahman, Those servants to God, submissive to God. They care about what God wants, not them. Not their 
spouse or their family or the community. Rahman. They submit to Allah. الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا And it continues to speak of their virtues until chapter, six, chapter 25, Surah Al-Furqan, verse number 72. وَالَّذِينَ And amongst them, the virtues, لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورِ they do not witness and testify to falsehood. وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورِ وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا And if they were come to come across false statements, vain talk, then they pass through it without argument. Again, the scholars have said that this means music. I think now, after reading the verses, we're getting a little more familiar with this idea. That the word music, or the word ghina, in itself has not been used in the Qur'an. Chapter, th chapter 31, Surah Luqman. Many people are smiling. Yes, tonight we blast the music in the car. That's not the case as well. <laughs> Surah Luqman, verse 6. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ And some people يَشْتَرِي لَحْوَ الْحَدِيثِ They buy amusement of speech لَحْوَ الْحَدِيثِ لِيُضِلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمِ To take people astray without knowledge وَيَتَّخِذَهَا هُزُوَا And they believe or they act as if the religion of God as a form of amusement or mockery, they will be humiliated through the punishment of God. Paying money, buying music, amusement of speech, that's definitely one of its applications. But also, like I said, it has many other applications. For example, buying certain type of movies that we don't want to discuss now, or videos, that's also vain amusement of, uh, of speech, amusement of words. So once we examine all those ayat, we come to the fifth chapter, Surah Al-Ma'idah, and then we will start speaking and explaining what we mean by those verses that we just read. Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 90. Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 90. Allah speaks to the mu'mineen, to you, and He says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, O you believers, innama al-khamru, Indeed, intoxicants, khamr, alcohol. Walmaysiru, and gambling. Walansabu, and idol worship. Walazlamu, rijsun, min amali shaytani fajtanibuhu la'allakum tuflihun. You see, 
When you read this ayah, and the ayah speaking of a combination of the things that were mentioned in the other verses, vain talk, music, gambling, idol worship, here we then start picturing an environment, a place that has music, okay? It has singing, but it also has belly dancing. It also has, for example, strippers. It also has intoxications and drinking. It also has some people gambling. It also has some fraud going on. Allah puts all of those in one home, and then He says, رِجْسٌ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ this is amongst the deeds, the actions, the lifestyle of shaitan. Refrain from it. And that is why when you come to a hadith that say, do not go in a home of ghina and music, for Allah does not enter it. Do not enter a home that has the tools of gambling. Allah does not enter it, the malaika do not enter it. Allah dislikes it, the malaika do not enter it. We put one on one together. There is a home that has the tools of gambling. Alatul qimar, as the scholars call them. And alatul lahw. Many different tools that were used for parties. Or the tools that created music. Those homes, the malaika do not go to them, Allah dislikes them. Why? So if I were to have an iPod or an iPhone in my home that plays music, malaika don't end up coming to my home. Or for example, if there was a piano in my house and I was praying in this house, so my salah is not accepted, my supplication is not accepted, Allah dislikes this home. We have to understand brothers and sisters, at that time, since the beginning of Bani Umayyah, and inshallah you follow my series, tonight is my last lecture here, and then we're moving to MFI inshallah in Somerset, Masjid Ali. And there I have a series. In those series I will tell you that what was happening during the Khilafah of Muawiyah, during the Khulafa of Bani Umayyah, then Bani Abbas, then Al-Uthman, People who sat there saying, we represent God. We're the Khalifa of Allah. The majority of them at night, this representative of God would sit, and they would drink, bring him the wine, and they would, bring him the, they would bring him the girls, and some of them they would bring the young boys, and they would sit, the Khalifa of Rasulullah, and there is gambling and music, and haram in those homes then at that time they went and they asked Imam al-Sadiq Yabna Rasulillah what about this music al-ghina is it in the Quran this false statements the false words things that take you away from Allah was happening at that time and the Imam responded accordingly People weren't going into shops and listening to music, in the elevator and listening to music, watching YouTube and listening to music. There was no commercials that had music. So that the imam would differentiate. If it's in a commercial, it's halal. 
If it's an ABC song, it's halal. If it's countryside music, it's halal. But if it's, you know, the type that it involves drinking and belly dancing and nudity and the rest of it, it's haram. At that time, it was all combined together. There were houses known as Biyut al-Ghina, Fusk, Fujur. There was everything happening in them. It wasn't that there was a restaurant that offered food that played some mellow music in the background. There was no such a thing. So the Asga Imams and the Imams of Ahl al-Bayt were extremely firm that this is haram. Now some of them, they could not go to the Khalifa's house every night, and obviously they didn't do this so publicly. Some of them did, and some of them privately. Muawiyah, for example, told his son, be pious during the day and drink during the night. This is my solution to you. The Khalifa of Rasulullah. Some of them, they did this. During the day, they went to Jum'ah prayers, and you know, they pretended that they are holy, and during the night, in the, in the castles of their homes, there was many things going on. Some of them could not go to the Khalifa's home every day. So what did they do? They started their own homes. Own homes, and within those homes, there was music. Was it? But not just music. When there was music, there was belly dancing, there was singing, there was alcohol, there was all sorts of sins. So those homes then became homes of sin. And the primary thing that was happening there was ghina, music and dancing. So they became forbidden places. People would come to the imam and say to him, can I go to those homes? He says, no, Allah doesn't want you to go. The malaika do not enter those homes. An average person wasn't buying a piano and taking it to their home. That is why many of those so-called khulafa, they kept invading land and invading country and taking innocent people as slaves, especially if there were girls that knew how to dance and sing. The Khalifa liked them. Go bring them to me. So some day came to the Imams of Ahl al-Bayt. What about ghina, music, singing? They looked at people as objects, obviously. If she knew how to sing, if she knew how to dance, then her price was more. The Imam wants to abolish this. So he says, it's haram, don't do this. Don't go after it. Don't buy such slaves and bring them into your home. Allah will dislike this home. It's only when I look at the history surrounding those ahadith, and the history surrounding the writing of those books, is when I better comprehend Islamic law. That's why when our books were written by our grand jurists that we study today, when they were written, and the time of the very first Shi'i government, the Safawi government, the Safawi dynasty, they also had music. They also had those things happening in their culture as well. Inshallah, we'll speak about this. And the ulama and the scholars wanted to forbid the people from such acts. So they said, Ghina is haram. Even if it's done in the recitation of Qur'an, because who were reciting Qur'an? You go to this guy's house, 
And he brings the singer. Sometimes the singer reads Quran and then other times it sings. And I had one job. So the scholar said, this is haram. Don't bring those singers and tell them to read Quran because they were still attractive to people. Imagine if Justin Bieber sits and reads Quran for five minutes. What happens? People will listen to it. Why? Because it's him reading it, not because it's the Quran. So the ulama were firm against this. Don't bring singers and have them read Quran and the next day, you know, they're belly dancing and singing. Keep the hurma of the Quran, the position of the Quran, the sanctity of the Quran, and the honor of the Quran in its place by ensuring that those people don't come near the Quran. So when we come and we look at the ayat, we look at the hadith, we look at the statements of the scholars, what do we conclude with? We conclude with the following, that you do not need me or any scholar to come and tell you that for example, some of the lyrics of this rap music is haram. And if you're waiting for a scholar to come and tell you, you can listen to 50 cents, or Eminem, or Snoop Dogg, that's not going to happen. And you don't need any scholar to come and tell you that this is haram. Why? Because they're sitting there and in their lyrics, one of them says, we drink until four in the morning. The other one says, no, we drink until six in the morning. The other one says, eight in the morning. No, we're drinking until next day at noon. Are you, who's going to tell you that this is halal? No religion will tell you this is halal, let alone the religion of Islam. No one with dignity and human respect and wisdom will tell you that this is halal. And how do you realize that Islam is more discussing a greater issue? And that is the culture surrounding music. I realize it's haram when I look at the clips, the music clips on MTV. The lyrics go hand in hand with the MTV clips, the music clips. Are you going to try to convince yourself that those music clips are halal? They're okay for you to watch? This music is not the type of music that is disliked by Allah? But once we look at the whole thing and put it in perspective, we realize that today... If our youth, whether it's a 7-year-old or 10-year-old or 15 or 20-year-old asking us about this kind of music, it's haram and it will remain haram. And if they are asking us about, for example, music that discusses the countryside and where they grew up or their country or standing in front of oppression or family values that do not take them astray from God and are not seen as false statements, then there are scholars today who have made this distinction and have given new laws and new perspectives in this regard. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.